My administration will remain vigilant as the implications of this decision play out. I've warned about how this decision risks the broader right to privacy for everyone. That's because Roe recognized the fundamental right to privacy that has served as a basis for so many more rights that have come to take, we've come to take for granted, that are ingrained in the fabric of this country. The right to make the best decisions for your health. The right to use birth control, a married couple in the privacy of their bedroom, for God's sake. The right to marry the person you love. Justice Thomas said as much today. He explicitly called to reconsider the right of marriage equality, the right of couples to make their choices on contraception. This extreme and dangerous path the court is now taking us on. And happy Saturday and welcome to The Deal. I'm your host, Ed Clark. It is Saturday, June 25th, 2022. Uh, uh, this may be... I, I won't say the craziest week in American history, but it's going to rank up there. And I need to talk to two people. Uh, and you guys need to hear them too. Uh, uh, Val Atkinson, uh, who is the host of Connections, and Irv Jordan, uh, who is with North Carolina Central University School of Law. I'm going to bring them in in just a minute. But uh, before I do, I, I just need to I just need people to to think real closely about what we're going through right now. The one six committee hearings are something that uh, if you watch the Watergate hearings, you thought maybe we would never get to this point again where a president would just be so hubris and think that, you know, their their job allows them to do whatever they want to. But apparently Donald Trump doesn't read history books and didn't get anything from that. And then the Supreme Court decisions that have come down this week have been incredible. So without wasting any more time, hey, Val, hey, Irv, welcome back to the deal. Thank you. Look, uh, this is going to be a wide-ranging discussion today because there's so many things to talk about. I want to go first to the Supreme Court decisions of this week. Um, I'll, I'll throw it to you first, Herb, because uh, this is your daytime job, line of work, <laughs> being concerned about constitutional law. But there have been some incredible decisions all in the span of 48 hours. Uh, we know about Roe versus Wade. You know, we, we, we saw that today. But uh, there was also Berger versus North Carolina, NAACP. Uh, there's been cases about guns and everything else. I don't even know where to start, but first, just give me your gut level assessment on just the sheer avalanche of uh, decisions this week and how sort of earth shattering they are. Uh, well, uh, Ed, uh, thank you for the uh, invitation. Uh, this is uh, certainly a um, eventful week uh, and uh, one that uh, people should uh, remember for, uh, for a long time. Uh, the decisions that have been rendered uh, really the last two weeks by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court are earth-shattering. 
uh, with respect to what we uh, have advertised and have known that our rights are uh, at this point. Uh, this is the beginning of uh, an effort by this uh, conservative right-wing uh, Supreme Court to uh, turn back uh, many of the uh, rights that uh, we enjoy. And uh, this is just the beginning, it's not uh, the end, because all of the, the decisions that they have made uh, this uh, past week have consequences and flows that's going to uh, pop up now in other cases where they are expanding the retrenchment of, uh, of, these, uh, of these rights. And uh, we can start uh, wherever you want to start, whether you're dealing with the uh, uh, abortion uh, decision or whether you're dealing with uh, gun rights or whether you're dealing with uh, the uh, Miranda uh, retrenchment uh, and redefinition, uh, or you're dealing with uh, the uh, procedural rules expanding in some areas of the uh, state's rights uh, for some, and then in other areas, taking away uh, state's rights for, uh, for others. So uh, this is certainly a consequential uh, week. And uh, so which, which part of it do you want to start with? Well, 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 we'll 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 go to one or the other. I, I guess I'll ask Val first while I get my head together because you just exploded my head because you you were talking about Miranda, you were talking about uh, Roe versus Wade, you're talking about you know states' rights. I mean, so many things, Val. So, Mister Mister History Buff, Mister Political Science Professor here, well, talk to me real quick before we get into some of the specifics on the cases uh, about the historical nature. But also this, this sort of uh, ability that the right has been able to take over damn near everything and not have a majority of the people on their side. If you look at poll after poll, it says that people didn't want a retrenchment of Roe versus Wade. They, didn't, they don't want a lot of this stuff, but they were able to do it. How did that happen, Val? Well, what we got to start doing, Ed, and I've said this several times on your show, is we got to start looking around ourselves uh, It's our neighbors. You know, I know we look at Mitch McConnell and we talk about Donald Trump, and now we're talking about the courts and all of that, but it's our neighbors. It's the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. It's our kids' soccer coach. It's our first grade teacher that teaches our children, the grandchildren. It's the guy we wave at when we're riding down the street and he's walking his dog. And it is a suburban kind of custom that you wave at the guy who's walking his dog. You don't know him and you may never see him again, but that's, that's what you do when you're doing that sort of thing. Those are the guys that keep voting for the straight Republican ticket, okay? And they are smiling in your face, but they're sending more and burger to your state legislature. They're sending Tillis and Burr to your Senate. And that's why we can't get anything done. Because as long as the Senate of the United States is 50-50 and you got a Joe Manchin and a Kristen Sinema, as long as Burger and Moore are running things in the North Carolina legislature, we can crow and complain and yell all we want. They've already figured this stuff out, but they didn't take it by force. 
It's your neighbors who are voting for these guys. We have got to put the pressure where the pressure needs to be put. We've got to do like I've done. I've asked my next door neighbor, and he runs from me sometimes, but I've asked him, tell me again why you voted for Trump in 2016. <laughs> and he begins to tell me that he thought he was a businessman and he would be good for the economy. And he begins to tell me that he voted for Joe Biden in 2020. So, you know, we may be okay on that. But at least I confronted him. We need to confront these people. Don't let them get away with it. Let them know that we know that they are the reason we're in this fix that we're in. They are the reason we, we're telling people, let's go vote. Uh, let's get a voting drive going on and let's uh, give this and let's do that. Remember my number, Ed, 68%. If 68% of white folks in North Carolina vote for candidate A, the other 32% can vote for candidate B, and all of the African-Americans can vote for candidate B, and candidate B can't win. That's the numbers, guys. So in addition to getting out all of the black folks, and you know, that's all I talk about. That's my web, that's my email address, ncblackvote at gmail.com. In addition to getting that out, we've got to talk to our neighbors, guys. We've got to talk to the guy walking the dog, the butcher. That's the guy who has the United States of America's future in his hand. More so than me and you and her, Ed. Because if he gets 68%, it doesn't matter. Right. We well, have got to make sure that he understands that we know where he is and what he's doing, and he's got to change his way. Yeah, I want to remind you, you're listening to uh, The Deal with Ed Clark. Uh, today we have in Val Atkinson and Herb Joyner. If you're listening to us on the podcast that's on Apple, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh anchor wherever you find your fine podcast <laughs> uh you can also catch us uh on video uh the video podcast on youtube venmo and, and all those places be sure to let people know uh we're out there you can also catch val atkinson on connections and uh, foxy 107 104 and herb joiner on the legal eagle review on wncu 90.7 fm uh so so herb okay uh, Val just gave us the sobering statistic here in North Carolina. We're always up against it, right? You you got to convince some white white folks, how my grandma used to say, good white folks, to come along with us to do the right thing here. Uh, we're past that point, though. So let's talk about some of these cases in specific. Uh, I, I know most of the lament today as we're recording this is over Roe versus Wade. So let's just start there uh, because I think there's going to be a lot that's going to come from that discussion. Tell me, number one, what the basic decision was and what the uh, immediate effect is. Uh, and it, is Roe versus Wade over? Is it no longer? Based on the uh, 6-3 opinion from the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, Roe is no more. 
the uh, court has invalidated uh, it. Uh, it uh, concluded that it was wrongly uh, decided in uh, 1972 uh, when, uh, it, uh, when it came out, uh, that it did not have a uh, legal basis to support uh, its, uh, the protection that it sought to uh, uh, offer uh, to, uh, to women who were pregnant at the time and did not or could not uh, continue the uh, pregnancy. Uh, and because it doesn't uh, uh, have a uh, legal foundation or a constitutional foundation, it is a unnumerated right uh, that uh, the uh, court found that uh, it should then be uh, vacated and it uh, no longer exists, which means now that every state uh, has the ability to uh, criminalize, legalize whatever lies you want to do uh, have with that, uh, this uh, notion of, uh, of abortion. But it has a lot of other implications that go further uh, than just that, uh, because it uh, uh, speaks to, as you read the opinion, uh, a lot of other unnumerated rights uh, that we have in contraception, uh, same uh, gender uh, marriage, uh, uh, the use of uh, interracial uh, marriages, uh, the uh, privacy uh, notions uh, that uh, flow from uh, due process and the liberty uh, clause of the Constitution, now they are at risk. Uh, in subsequent decisions that the court uh, will uh, look at, even though uh, Justice Alito uh, said that those other things are not uh, tied up in the abortion decision. Uh, Justice uh, Thomas made it clear that he wants to go back and re-examine all of those cases that uh, he was in the dissent in uh, from uh, years back. So you're telling me, uh, Clarence Hanky Head Thomas, I, you didn't say that, I said it. Clarence Thomas is mad because he was the man, odd man out in the past, and now he he has the uh, sledgehammer and he's going to come out and hit everybody over the head, whether it makes any sense or not, uh, is the way it sounds to me. Uh, Irv, Val, you know, you, you, you hear Irv talk about all these things that could come out of this decision, right? Loving is on the table. Uh, and, uh, that decision that said, and it's not that old. It's, it's just barely over 50 years old where black folks or white folks could get married. Uh, like Thomas. <laughs> just like right. where I was going. That's where <laughs> I was going, Irv. Uh, Val, how does Clarence Thomas square that? Uh, I, I'm sure you guys know each other. You must be buddies. How's he going to still have this relationship with his wife, the insurrectionist, if uh, if his marriage is called into question, well, I would love to send that question first through Jenny. I would want to know how she feels about getting rid of interracial marriages. But uh, all kidding aside on that, that's a very serious question. Uh, and you know, I kid all the time about balkanization and us really separating by states and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, if you start playing around with same-sex marriage and interracial marriage, you can see that come a lot faster than it might ordinarily do because people are going to start gravitating to places where they have less problems with abortion, less problem with same-sex marriage. 
less problem with contraception and less problem with interracial marriages. And then you see the, the states breaking out uh, based on ideology. And then you really got real uh, organization. But while we're on that, I'd like to, if I might, want a person put a pin in that and go back to these other two pieces. Uh, Irv did a wonderful job dealing with give, getting us started on the abortion piece. The two pieces that the court also, one of the pieces that they dealt with that I tied to another piece that caught my interest is when they talked about uh, the New York uh, gun case. And also at the same time, Senator Murphy out of uh, uh, Connecticut is crowing about having come through some compromise with Senate Bill 281 that, that talks about getting to the point that we can do something about red flag laws, that we can uh, do something about what age you are when you can buy a certain type of weapon, uh, protecting domestic uh, people who are victims of domestic violence and so forth and so on, many other things in that legislation. And I understand it's just passed the House uh, today, I believe it was. Uh, when I look at that, I sort of frown because I'm sure that Mitch McConnell knew where the court was going on the New York law case. And now it makes sense that he can be one of those 14 or 15 senators that goes along with Murphy, that goes along with Senator Murphy and makes it look like it's this bipartisan thing. What they really did is they took that off the table as an issue in the midterm. You can't use that now to say Republicans don't want good gun legislation. Republicans are going to run on that and say, we voted for that. While at the same time on the back end, they're telling people in New York, yeah, uh, play OK Corral. You know? Yeah. Everybody can have a chance to uh, carry a weapon. This thing is always more convoluted and complicated than it appears. Well, and it, it's just problematic. Let me leave it at that. Well, you're absolutely correct. I hear some music. So we're going to take a break when we come back. I want to continue to talk about the gun thing. I want to also talk about uh, Berger versus uh, North Carolina NAACP and a number of other things in the second segment. So stay right there. We'll be right back after this. From CBS News headquarters in New York, this is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. The majority in cases from Texas and Georgia said that the decision to end a pregnancy during the first three months belongs to the woman and her doctor, not the government. Thus, the anti-abortion laws of 46 states were rendered unconstitutional. The Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. This decision takes away our right to control our own bodies. But we won't give up. Not now, not ever. We'll never stop fighting for abortion rights. Join the fight at bandsoff.org. And welcome back to our second segment of The Deal. I'm Ed Clark. That is Val Atkinson. And we're fortunate today to have NCCU Law School Professor Herb Joyner in with us. 
Herb, I'm sure you've been in high demand over the last 24, 48 hours, maybe even the last two weeks. Uh, this, the Supreme Court has not uh, uh, disappointed in terms of uh, wreaking havoc and causing consternation with a lot of people. I, I know a lot of people won't be sleeping for a while because we don't know what the outcome, real outcome of these cases are going to be. Decisions are going to be for a while because uh, in a place like Missouri, for example, we were talking about abortion rights earlier today. As of today, you can't get an abortion there in a place like Missouri. But in Illinois, right across the border, you, you still can get one. And and I, I heard I heard the the uh, uh, one of the representatives from uh, Illinois saying, "Hey, women from Missouri, you know, we, we'll welcome you with open arms. We'll do whatever we can to to bring you in." But I want to go back to Irv the uh, comment that Val made about balkanization, about how you know, certain states are going to be able to do whatever, because all this is under the guise of, you know, this should be handed back to the states because it's not enumerated in the Constitution. Well, it's not a lot of shit in the Constitution. There were no cars, there were no computers, there was no, none of that. So how do you, help me here, you're the law school professor, you got it, you got these fresh faced <laughs> law school students in there, and they say, well, Professor Jordan, how do you make a decision about internet cases when the internet's not in the constitution. How, how do they arrive at a decision about anything then if it's not enumerated in the constitution under Clarence Thomas's position? And, and, and in, in, in the context of where the court is starting out now, all of those decisions that provide rights dealing with those, uh, those subjects are now suspect and they are capable of being uh, revisited uh, by this uh, new uh, this new Supreme Court. Uh, when we talk about uh, privacy, for instance, and uh, this is uh, a recent case, uh, the Jones case, federal case dealing with the ability of police officers to track uh, uh, you your movements from one place to another using pings from your uh, cell phone. The court uh, created this notion of uh, locational privacy again, out of this uh, due process liberty uh, notion. Uh, and it uh, uh, prevents the uh, police from utilizing this new technology to invade issues that uh, people want to keep private and don't want to expose uh, to the public. Uh, I can see that coming back up uh, now uh, uh, for a revisit by this uh, Supreme Court because it is a uh, none uh, enumerated right that the court has uh, created out of this uh, liberty uh, notion of the uh, of the Constitution. Uh, so that's just one that we don't even think about. But there are so many more uh, that uh, that's closely connected to uh, where the court is going now, and it leads to every state the ability now to craft out its own rendition of what the law ought to be uh, with, re, uh, with respect to those. And they apply it selectively, but it is uh, applied and it is used in the uh, right-wing uh, 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 conservative uh, notion. Uh, we, we talk about uh, abortion and uh, the uh, rights of, uh, of, of whites now to grow their population, uh, where you saw uh, there was a decrease in uh, the number of white children being born. 
which then fueled this browning of, uh, of America. Uh, now you have this abortion decision here. Now it says that, well, you know, you, you can't just have an abortion. Now, instead of you wanting to have uh, one and a half uh, children in your family, now you, you need 18 uh, so that we can get our numbers uh, back up. And uh, if you don't do your fair share of repopulating these, uh, these states so that we can maintain uh, this uh, majority, so at least you are competing with the Latino population that is exploding. Uh, here in this uh, in, in in this country, uh, then uh, we can talk about then uh, some relaxation on this uh, reproductive uh, end of the uh, spectrum. So there are a lot of you know <laughs> uh, tag alongs that go with each of these decisions, and they don't stand alone. Although we look at them separately, uh, but they have enormous uh, implications, and we're going to what I call the uh, full employment bill for uh, lawyers uh, now that's been uh, created uh, around the country because lawyers are going to be busy uh, litigating all of these cases in the uh, in the years to come. Well, I chose the wrong profession. Uh, so I should have been a lawyer. Uh, you should have been. Should have been a lawyer. Hey, so Val, you know, uh, you're fond of saying that, you know, a lot of this is white fear, right? Uh, we, we talk about it ad nauseum. Uh, you know, when, when we're just on the phone chit-chatting with each other about how, how white folks are afraid. Uh, uh, t talk to me a little bit about how we came to this point. Uh, I, we, I brought it up a little bit in the first segment about how essentially 30% of the population can drive this because it, uh, you, you have this outside, outsized uh, influence if you live in Montana or Mississippi uh, because you got two senators regardless and you, you, the, the electoral college is still there and a whole bunch of other things that are geared towards making it able for these you know, other people to have control. In addition to that, the Democrats have failed to figure out how to get people to the polls all the damn time. So your little 68% equation that you gave would be moot, right? I mean, if, if they could get people who say that I really believe in female reproductive rights to go every time, like they can get the people who say, I want abortion ended, they go every time. They don't ever sit at home. What's the difference between liberal progressive sensibility then that keeps us sitting on the sideline, Val? Why the hell don't we go every damn time? I mean, the dog catcher's running. Why ain't we voting for that? Uh, or the water district. I don't care what it is. Why, why don't we go? Well, I think too many of us did, unfortunately, uh, look for some, some sort of quid pro quo, even in voting. In other words, uh, if they turn out in mass numbers, they really want to see and feel some change to justify them going to the poll, uh, getting up early, standing in line at the polls for inordinate amounts of time and that sort of thing. If they get to the point where certain taxes go down, you don't have to be fooling around at DMV and you don't have to do this, that, and the other, uh, then they feel good about that. 
when they don't see any movement, then you got to convince them to go to the polls anyway. Unfortunately, they think the big kahuna is the president, which he is, but he only runs every four years. And they think that if the president's not running, they're, well, this is a secondary race. This is the B team out there. I don't have to worry about it. I'll wait until the president runs and that sort of thing. We've just got a job. When I say we, I'm talking about people like you and I and Irv. We've got a job. We've got a responsibility of convincing our listening audience and the average person out there that, hey, democracy is not a spectator sport. You can't sit on the sideline and watch it happen. You got to get in and get involved. And we say it all the time. We preach it all the time, Ed. But I don't think it is sunk home yet. Some part of the culture that people have decided what's interesting, what's worth our while to, uh, to be a part of. If you lock things into uh, some popular music genre and you say things like, well, Beyonce or Jay-Z or Snoop or whatever is going to be at a particular place or a particular time and we want you to come out. Well, you, you're going to have to beat them off the door. They'll be there. But if you say Ed Clark's going to be there talking about voting rights, that, that's not something they may run out to, to get involved in. We've got to make it so that folks understand in order for you to enjoy these concerts put on by your favorite entertainers, in order for you to show up in your favorite outfit, driving your favorite car, and smelling good and looking good and all those kinds of things, you need a job. Yeah. You need to be well-educated. You need to all of these kinds of things. And you're not going to get them if you don't become a real citizen and play the game, show up when you're supposed to, do what you're supposed to do as a good citizen, which part of that is voting, and do everything right. Then you can enjoy the fruits of the labor. Yeah, well. Of your labor. Yeah, I want to remind everybody you're, you're watching the deal or listening to the deal on whatever podcast platform and also uh, on Facebook and everywhere else we're found. Uh, uh, Irv, I know you wanted to say something, but I wanted to get in that. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And thank you for that. And and I just want to add to what Ballard said is that this is not a quickie. Uh, you know, unlike what we're used to, uh, we're looking for instant gratification. Uh, the right wing has worked for the last fifty years to overturn Roe versus Wade, and they finally succeeded. Uh, the uh, the the right wing has uh, fought. Uh, to uh, uh, expand uh, gun rights uh, for longer uh, than that. Uh, it wasn't an instantaneous decision. And too many of us uh, look for uh, a quick return on the investment of our vote. And that's why many people were upset with Barack Obama that uh, he didn't immediately uh, shower down uh, 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 manna from heaven on, on everybody, but it takes time. Democracy is a slow moving process. And if you don't put in the work, then the work will put you out. And uh, we, don't, we don't understand that. We don't understand that. 
And so it's going to take us uh, some time to go back and put people in place that are going to be beneficial to our right. We look at this 6-3 Supreme Court. That didn't happen overnight. It just so happened that the right opportunity popped up when the wrong people were in place. And now we are going to suffer uh, for that uh, for a long time. And if we don't start correcting uh, the uh, results of that uh, misdeed, uh, then uh, there's no telling where it is that we are going to end up because I remind people all the time, we are the minority in this country. We might be the majority in our house, but in our world around us, Val talked about his neighborhood, we are the minority. We are the ones out of power. And if we can't amass the power that we have in conjunction with other people who want to protect uh, those rights or we can get them to protect those rights, the laws are going to continue to be used against us. Yeah, I try to remind people of that all the time too, Irv, but, uh, and then people get mad at me and they, and they say that I'm not down with the cause, but I'm like, I am. Uh, but I'm just telling you, the numbers don't add up. Uh, you can demand all the shit you want. Uh, you you got to be in a place to be able to affect it. I want to stay with you, uh, Irv, though, uh, because there's this other case, uh, uh, Berger versus North Carolina NAACP, that 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 hit the wire uh, late on Thursday, and it, it caused me to uh, quiver a little bit, and because I knew it was going to get overrun by the gun case and by Roe and everything else that was coming out, but I think it has some implications. Can you tell us real quick about uh, Berger versus North Carolina NAACP? Well, the NAACP uh, filed a challenge, which is still pending in the uh, Middle District of North Carolina Federal Court uh, to the uh, voter ID constitutional requirement uh, that's uh, there. And uh, the, uh, typically the uh, Attorney General's office will represent the state. And this is a lawsuit filed against the uh, State Board of Election. And the uh, Attorney General's office is representing uh, the uh, Board of uh, Education. The uh, North Carolina General Assembly uh, had passed a law which said that where there was a constitutional challenge to one of its uh, enactment, that the uh, General Assembly can bring in their own attorneys to represent the state of, uh, of North Carolina. Uh, and so what we had here was a situation where the Attorney General uh, is representing an agency of the state of North Carolina. But now the General Assembly wants to uh, separately uh, also be, become a party to that suit such that there are now two different defense teams uh, that's, uh, that's competing or challenging or pushing back on the NAACP's uh, claim about the uh, constitutionality of the voter uh, ID. And the court basically held here that if the state legislature uh, decides that it has an interest in, uh, uh, in protecting the uh, legislation that it has enacted, then it can also be a party in every suit uh, that, uh, that's brought against a state agency uh, to uh, uh, assert the rights and interests of the uh, General Assembly. Now, this ruling did not affect the merits of the case, 
the case itself is still pending. Uh, but what is going to happen now is that there's going to be a delay uh, in getting this matter to trial. It was initially scheduled to go to trial the latter part of January uh, of this, uh, of this uh, year. And it had to be put on hold until the Supreme Court rendered uh, this uh, decision. We have an election coming up in uh, November. It is impossible to have this case on the calendar and tried uh, before then. So there is going to be a trial of this matter that's going to occur at some later point, all because now the General Assembly could not work out an arrangement with the, uh, uh, the uh, North Carolina Attorney General to be co-counsel in the case, which is a simple thing uh, that they could have done and have done in the past. Rather, they wanted to have the statement that they are the king of the hill and they can decide whatever it is that they want uh, and impose their presence on the federal court uh, that they are now a, a party to this, uh, to this litigation. Well, so now, does that mean, uh, Irv, that the uh, general election uh, on November the 8th of this year uh, will be run uh, uh, respective to the uh, voter ID that we're talking about? will be run the same way the primary was in terms of whether or not people have to show uh, the voter ID or not? At this point, uh, Val, there is an injunction that prevents the uh, voter ID requirement from being put in place. There is a companion case that is pending before the North Carolina Supreme Court. It is possible that the North Carolina Supreme Court will issue a ruling that will either extend that injunction or uh, wipe out that injunction. So it is still possible that a voter ID requirement will be in place for uh, November, contrary to what happened in the, uh, in, in the primary. Uh, our feeling is that the, uh, the North Carolina Supreme Court is going to support uh, our view of that case and this uh, 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 injunction will be continued. Uh, such that people won't have to worry about a voter ID in the uh, general election in November. But there is that possibility, depending on what the North Carolina Supreme Court decides to do. And that is a decision that is different than what it is that we're dealing with in the federal court, uh, which is still uh, in, in limbo uh, at this point. Well, this is what I think. I think uh, the Republicans want to keep as much confusion as possible. And hopefully people don't vote or don't know if they need a voter ID or not. I mean, I think their whole ruse is to maintain as much confusion around elections because we got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about somebody who tried to keep confusion around elections. That is Donald Trump and the 1-6 committee hearings. And then we'll also talk about a few more of these cases that the Supreme Court have handed down. So stay right there. We'll be right back after this message. I don't remember how it started. Our back and forth. It always came back. You probably don't remember what you told me. That was perfect. But I heard every word. On the 
story from George Herman. In two related cases and eight separate opinions, the nine justices made abortion largely a private matter and ordered the states to make no laws forbidding it, except possibly during the final months. The court split seven to two with Justices Byron White and William Rehnquist dissenting. In effect, the court makes abortion subject only to the decision of the pregnant woman's doctor. It ruled that states may make no laws restricting a doctor's right to decide his patient needs an abortion and to carry out that abortion during the first three months of a pregnancy. After that comparatively safe three-month period, abortions may be regulated but not prohibited by state law and for the benefit of the mother's health alone. Abortion is somewhat more dangerous at this stage, and states may insist, for example, that they be performed in regulated hospitals. Only in the final stages of pregnancy may states intervene and say no to abortion. Five days after the attack on the Capitol, Representative Mo Brooks sent the email on the screen now. As you see, he emailed the White House, quote, pursuant to a request from Matt Gates, requesting a pardon for Representative Gates himself and unnamed others. Witnesses told the select committee that the president considered offering pardons to a wide range of individuals connected to the president. Let's listen to some of that testimony. And was Representative Gates requesting a pardon? Believe so. The, the general tone was, we may get prosecuted because we were defensive of you know, the president's positions on these things. The pardon that he was discussing, requesting, was as broad as you could describe. From the beginning, of, I remember he's from the beginning of time up until today. Welcome back for to any our third things. and final segment of the deal. I'm Ed Clark. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Uh, Herb John has been hitting me right and left with all this information about all these uh Supreme Court decisions about Atkinson with his cogent and a very thoughtful analysis of the political side of this. I'm just here along for the ride. I want to thank, uh, last week, uh, Val, we had in uh, Reverend Patterson from Reedy Chapel AME Church in Galveston, Texas. I, I, I just wanted to let people, I'm still getting people uh, that are hitting me up, uh, thanking me for having uh, Reverend Patterson on. If you don't know, Reedy Chapel is where Juneteenth started uh, when they uh, took the uh, uh, Emancipation Proclamation from the courthouse. They marched down to Reedy Chapel and nailed the Emancipation Proclamation to the door at Reedy Chapel. And guess what? We had Reverend Patterson on last week uh, to talk about her church, which was the first AME church west of the Mississippi. That's what we do here. We try to go out and get people who know stuff. That's why I got Herb Joyner here and Val Atkinson who knows stuff. <laughs> Uh, Val Atkinson, when we left, Irv, uh, again, uh, was, was uh, making it very clear that we now got a problem, uh, perhaps in places like North Carolina, where they want voter ID and all this other stuff, right? So, so my, my theory is that, you know, the Republicans want to monkey around with elections as much as possible. And the big monkey, Donald Trump, uh, tried to monkey around with, with the, the last presidential election and now have got us into a near constitutional crisis where they tried to kill the vice president. Uh, it, uh, he had everybody in the Justice Department telling him that he can't do what he's trying to do. 
and he was trying to have another Saturday night massacre, so on and so forth. Real quick, tell me what you think about the one six hearings. Are they turning out to be more than you thought they were going to be, or it, 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 do we still need to hear more? Is there more to come? I know I, I know a lot of this stuff. You know a lot of this stuff, but do you think that people are hearing what they need to hear from this? More so than uh, I did when I first started listening to it, to be uh, uh, completely frank with you. I think that uh, all in all, there are going to be people who, once this is concluded, that have been touched uh, and that are going to be in a position to call their representatives and senators uh, to give their position and make their uh, position be very, very clear. I think that's going to happen. And some minds may be swayed just a little bit. But my big concern is whether or not Merrick Garland will have the courage to utilize the information that's been given to him by the 1-6 committee to bring this thing to a legal ball, talking about bringing charges and those kinds of things, and notwithstanding whether or not he's going to lose or win. That's for the courts to decide. But I think uh, listening to him recently, that he's getting to that point. And as we know, a couple of days ago, uh, uh, we had a gentleman by the name of Clark, I do believe his last name is, that lives uh, over in Northern Virginia across the water, across, across the Key Bridge from Georgetown. Uh, he had a visit from some people in the Justice Department uh, and uh, a, judge, uh, a judge signed an order that gave them the right to go in and uh, uh, search his home and, and take out the things that they thought were necessary to have. This tells me that uh, the Justice Department is getting really serious I think they're about to bring charges on some people that's going to surprise a lot of people. And it's going to get really, really ugly, really, really serious, really, really quick. Uh, what I'm looking for are those people, especially those people in Congress who have asked for or who did ask for pardons and did not receive them. I am looking at them very closely to see if they have any stories they would like to tell the committee or the Justice Department uh, before they go on with their uh, investigations and indictments. Uh, I think things are about to get hot. I think they're about to get heated right now. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. So Herb, Jonah, I, I know you've been busy, but have you been able to watch much of the hearings and what you've seen of it? What's your assessment of how the committee is doing? And, and are they structuring this in such a way to give the Justice Department and Merrick Garland something to work with? Or do you think they're just worried about what they're trying to do and Merrick Garland's going to decide on his own? I mean, do, I mean, what do you, do you, if you were sitting at the Justice Department, uh, I, I would have been knocking on doors from that first hearing, but <laughs> do you think that the committee is doing a good job on how they're presenting this? 
Well, the, you know, the House Select Committee has done an outstanding job, not only of gathering information, but presenting it in a coherent manner such that it is easily understood that the uh, factual basis for all of it is very apparent uh, to everyone and they fully explain the legal implications of everything it is that they have uh, presented. So I am just uh, uh, amazed at the, uh, the, the presentation uh, and the, the manner of presentation uh, that, uh, that we have uh, that we've witnessed. I think it's one of those things that uh, the blind man can see, uh, just uh, what is uh, occurring uh, here. And uh, amazed at the, uh, the widespread nature of this uh, insurrectionist conspiracy on the part of uh, Donald Trump and his men and women uh, that were uh, supporting uh, him uh, in this effort to pull a coup. Uh, in this country. And I think it's very understandable exactly uh, as they have presented it, that uh, Merrick Garland is going to be compelled uh, to uh, bring about some uh, indictments based on this information. And if not, then he needs to be kicked out of, uh, of office uh, because it's just so, uh, so clear that but for some people standing in Donald Trump's way that refused to go along with uh, what he was trying to do, this coup would have succeeded. The other quick point that I want to make is that I was also uh, happy as hell to see that there were no African-Americans caught up in the middle of all of this uh, shenanigans uh, going on. Uh, and uh, other than as victims uh, in this case, that those conspirators, and those individuals that were working behind the scene to overthrow uh, the uh, peaceful uh, transition of power in this country, that we were not involved in it. Now, we may find out later that there were some who were, but at this point, you know, this is uh, uh, really pleasing to me that we are not involved on that, uh, on that level. And I go back to uh, Teddy Pendergrass. Uh, as it relates to us, we need to wake up. Wake up, everybody. <laughs> wake up. Well, well Val, I'm going to correct Irv on one thing. I, there's one Negro that I know was involved, and I think that's Clarence. I'm not even going to think it's Clarence. I know it's Clarence Thomas and his wife, Jeannie, were involved because one of the things, Val, that, we, we, that became very clear is that the attorney that they drug in there to, to write up all this bogus, you know, memos about uh, uh, being able to, vice president being able to, you know, unilaterally decide, mm -hmm. had been a clerk for Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, had been in constant communication with Thomas's wife. And we also find out that the uh, potential Attorney General, who was going to replace Barr after he left and then replace Rosenberg when, when Trump was going to fire him, was also somebody known to Jeannie Thomas and to the, um, the fake lawyer. Because uh, uh, <laughs> he couldn't have been a real lawyer given the kind of advice he was giving. Uh, so I will say that Clarence Thomas is the one Negro that we're going to find out who was involved in this. I, I will put money on that.
but before we run out of time, touche. <laughs> before we Point run well out of time, I do wanted. I, I wanted. Uh, you, there's some other cases, Herb, that 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 came out in the last couple of weeks. You, you mentioned, you know, some maybe uh, Miranda being kind of suspect now, and and maybe we need to rethink about how we deal with the police or whatever. Can you explain real quick where we are with that? Uh, so I, I know Val. He's out driving in his car, his fancy car. I don't want him to get stopped and get hemmed up by the cops. Uh, help, help us out on some of those other cases that came through. Yeah, well, Miranda is uh, basically a uh, criminal law case, uh, which deals with people who have been arrested and are interrogated while they are under arrest. And the law is, and this is a what is called a prophylactic rule, created by the Supreme Court that said that in those situations where police officers are interrogating a person while they are in custody, they have to give them the Miranda warnings. The decision that, uh, that the court dealt with in this instance, though, did not deal with that case directly. Uh, it dealt, though, with a related matter of whether a person who was the victim of a Miranda violation could file a separate civil rights claim under the uh, 42 USC 1983, which is the civil rights uh, statute. And the court said that Miranda is not a constitutional rule. And because it's not a constitutional rule, then the uh, 1983 uh, uh, jurisdiction would not apply to allow that person to uh, pursue a separate remedy against that police officer for violating that person's rights. It did not speak, however, to the, uh, the suppression possibility of the uh, statement that the person had made uh, while they were in, in custody and illegally uh, interrogated. Uh, so, you know, you need to discuss, but it, you know, while it doesn't Im impact the, the, the criminal side of it, uh, it is uh, a part of a continuing effort to get rid of uh, Miranda by uh, law enforcement and other agencies uh, that uh, don't like and never have liked uh, the uh, imposition of this uh, of this rule. Yeah. Well, just, and, you know, we, just another we, thing to, to worry about. Yeah, go ahead, Val. No, I was just going to say, you know, we, we really run the gamut here on what the Supreme Court uh, has done uh, for, for this month of June here. Every June is the same way. But uh, they, they're really putting out some, some haymakers now that, that, that affect the lives of, of, of everybody. And we have an opportunity now, regular citizens have an opportunity to take this and run with it and use it to start motivating people to get really involved now. And let's figure out what we're going to do about this. They've done their job. Now it's time for us to do our job. So. I look at what the Supreme Court has done, what they've handed down, is like almost like a gift saying, okay, uh, take this with you. We punched you in the mouth a little bit. Now, what you going to do about it? Now, if, if we don't do anything about it, that's on us. We've got to take that challenge. That's what it is. They've challenged us to do our best. Let's see what we're going to do to respond to their challenge that they put down. And I hope we're prepared for the challenge because they've laid some stuff out there in front of us, buddy. It's yeah, not this ain't even funny. And and like I said, you know, I 
I, I didn't expect that I would ever live long enough uh, even to see a black president. Uh, I was wrong about that. Uh, so I, I think I'm fortunate that I did live through that. I, I wasn't sure that something like Juneteenth would be a holiday, and it is. Uh, but at the same time, you see all this retrenchment going on around you. And, and like I said, I think people are running scared. If, you, if I haven't said it once, I've said it a million times that the United States has a fascist instinct that they won't acknowledge. Right. Um, that we, we, we talk a lot about the Constitution or, and about how great a document it is or whatever. The honest to God truth, in my opinion, it has some flaws. It, 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 does, it could not have foreseen, I said earlier, cars and the Internet and whatever else you want to throw on top of it. Uh, in the time we got left here, tell me something good, though. Uh, what what what? possibly could happen out of this Val talks about energizing people and getting them to the polls or whatever is the only way to undo this is to try to get back a majority on the court because Clarence Thomas ain't going nowhere Amy Comey Baird ain't going nowhere Gorsuch ain't going anywhere Kavanaugh ain't going nowhere Robert seems to sometimes want to you know use his better instinct and go against them but that still won't let them win so what 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 are what are the prospects without having the court rejiggered so it has more people or we just got to wait for people to die is, is that is that where we are well no we, we we have to position ourselves to be in place so that when the break comes that we can step in the door and uh, assert our uh, power and our position. And so our thing right now is to get our power base working so that we are in place, that we have uh, sufficient people uh, that's ready to move in. And then that uh, we, uh, you know, because this democracy and the constitution are only as strong as are the people who implement it. And if you have bad people implementing it, then the Constitution has no meaning. And so what we are seeking is to have good people in place so that when these constitutional decisions have to be made, that they are made in a manner that is going to protect the majority of the citizens and particularly are going to protect the rights of African-Americans and other people of color uh, in this uh, country. So that's, I see, is, is the challenge that we have is to prepare ourselves and put ourselves in a position so that we can make the layup when time for the layup come. When it's time to have that fast break that we're out there on the, uh, on the, uh, uh, on the wings heading for the basket. Uh, but we have to be prepared and energized uh, in order to do that. Yeah, I hear you. Man, there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, we, may, we may do a special during the week because you know we've been doing that lately we, sometimes when there's other news that comes up. So uh, pay attention to the website, pay attention to where you subscribe to the deal. And, and uh, cause it, it's just so much to talk about. We, we can't do it in an hour, but I do appreciate people taking the time to come in with us. And uh, uh, you, you made your basketball analogy there. I, I, I be, would be remiss not to mention that the Dukies had uh, five players go in the first <laughs> and second round last night. So the Durham school, Durham uh, technical college, 
I had five uh, people drafted in the NBA draft, which is nice for them. Uh, they they couldn't beat Carolina this year in basketball, but you know, there you go. Uh, things happen, and uh, and uh, you know. So uh, I know Val is all excited about that. Uh, in the meantime, before we get out of here, what I always do is I always ask the folks who are in with me, what do I have to look forward to? Where can I find you anywhere else? Anything you want to tell me? I'll start with you first, Val. What do we got to look forward to? Well, uh, tomorrow is the day before the show. Uh, we're going to have a good show on Sunday. Uh, the 26th uh, on Connections, and I invite everybody to tune in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'll be discussing, as we normally do, the high topics of the day. You'll get a chance. Uh, there'll be a website, I'm sorry, an email uh, address given to you uh, that you can uh, have some of your articles, uh, some of your wishes, some of your comments uh, read to our listeners over the air. And I want you to start taking advantage of that. So tune in at eight o'clock on Sunday morning, uh, get that uh, email address and start becoming a writer and send your information into Foxy. Yeah, and Herb Joyner, if, if, if people want to hear you at other times, where else can they hear you? Where can you be found? Well, uh, right now I'm getting ready for the uh, 4th of July. Uh, where I am the uh, speaker at the uh, Frederick Douglass uh, reading that occurs annually in uh, Coburn, uh, where people uh, read uh, portions of the uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, what is the uh, 4th of July to me, and I'm serving as the keynote speaker for that. In years past, I have always been one of the readers uh, for that program. And uh, it is a very educational one and a beneficial one uh, so that I can uh, complete my uh, irreverence to uh, the 4th of July and the celebration uh, that uh, is attached uh, to that event. Well, there you go. We'll have a link to, uh, to, the, to that celebration. And hey, look, don't get me started about the 4th of July. Uh, <laughs> I, I have problems, I, I, but uh, you know, I. I'll still eat my hamburger, but, but I, I, I have my problems with the 4th of July. Well, folks, uh, you, you've spent the hour with us. We do appreciate it. Um, I need for you to, again, start reminding people that, that you can come here to the deal or catch us on any of the podcast platforms, any of the video platforms. We're picking up viewers from all over the place, Texas, California, England, uh, you name it, South Africa. I got something from somebody this, this last week. So again, we really appreciate that. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a great weekend. So go out and do something good for somebody and be back with us next week. You've been watching the deal. Thanks a lot.